You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So a quick question for y'all. How many of you are those type of people that like to read the last page or the last chapter of a book first? Any of you out there? Okay, a few of you, you're a bunch of cheaters. Um, That's not okay. How many of you like to read the first page of the book first? How many of you are saying, books? Don't, no, put your hands down, don't read, no. Uh, Right? Uh, the, um, The beginning of a book is really important. Right, because it's, it gives us a lot of information, it, it sets the scenes, it tells us who the characters are, uh, we get to meet them for the very first time and, and maybe start to wonder where this story is going to take us. And the end of the book is really important because it, it wraps everything up, hopefully. Maybe there's five sequels that come later, that, that there's a, a cliffhanger, but, but it starts to, it, it pulls everything together. But the beginning of the book and the end of the book are pretty worthless without the middle of the book without the plot, without the conflict, without the ups and the downs. And so as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of one of my professors uh, from, uh, from seminary in St. Louis who loved to talk about bookends. And, and he was teaching me uh, and taking me through, through the book of Mark. And Mark does this a lot, but, but Mark will take, uh, will, will do, again, these, this idea of bookends where you get two ideas that are very similar or the same ideas that are really close to each other. Maybe it's the same word that gets used twice. Or maybe it's an idea, or a place, or an action that happens twice, kind of next to each other, that are the same, or similar. And, and those are really important, but what I learned with that literary technique, and, and Mark does a lot, and we see John does it here too, is those are important, but what's actually more important, those are used as literary technique to, to put us to the middle, to look to the middle, to look to the to the meat of the story, right? The beginning and the end are the important, but, it, but they don't matter as much as the middle. And so I want to take us through the text that I just read from John 135, and I want you to be the literary experts in the text. I want you to be the detectives and see if you can find the, the similar concepts or the similar actions that happen on both ends, right? The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come, and you will see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. All right, did you, did you catch the bookends? Did you catch the similar thoughts, processes, actions that happen at the beginning, at the end? If not, let's go through it one more time, but I'm going to take out the meat and just look at the bookends. All right, let's look at it. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus and said to him, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Beginning bookend. Let's look at the end bookend. One of the two who heard John speak followed Jesus uh, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
And then he found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. John pointed people to Jesus. Right? Behold the Lamb of God. And, and those people then followed Jesus. And then Andrew goes and finds his brother, Peter, and says, Hey, look at Jesus. We found the Messiah. And what happens? Peter follows Jesus. So we get two people who point other people to Jesus. Okay, so if those are the bookends, what's, what's the meat? What's that piece in the middle that John wants us to really focus on then? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, it was about 4 o'clock. Right, so what's the meat? What does John want us to see? So we're to come and see Jesus. Right? John and Andrew, they, they point people to Jesus, and then Jesus does what Jesus does. Right? We don't know what actually Jesus does, but, but, but apparently within about 16 hours of Andrew hanging out with Jesus, he quickly goes and finds his brother and says, we have found the Messiah. We have found the guy that we have been waiting for. Let's go follow him. All right? Again, we don't know what it is that Jesus does, but for, for Andrew, Jesus proved to him that he was and he is Messiah. Right? John pointed people to Jesus. Andrew points his brother and, and eventually other people to Jesus so that we or so that they can come and see Jesus. And then Jesus does what Jesus does. And as I was thinking about this, one of the best examples for that is the comfort dog ministry. As, as, I, was, um, as I first got called here to Trinity, and I first came here, I was super excited because we had Katie the comfort dog. And my wife won't let me have a dog. And so I was like, yes, I have a puppy to play with. And then I got here and pretty quickly realized I didn't have a puppy to play with. I had a co-worker. Right? And, and there were many times where I would, I would say something to Don Gilfrey, the top dog, and I'd say something about, uh, about Katie and how awesome she is and how she does a great job with this or that. And, and, and every time I started to talk really, really highly of Katie, Don would respond with a specific phrase. And Don, what's that phrase? It's not about the dog. It's not about the dog. Right? As we get into the commissioning, the, the phrase used there is a bridge. But it's not about the dog. It's not about Katie. It's not about Phineas. It's not about any of the other seven dogs that came to join us in worship today. Because it's about them pointing others to Jesus. Because it's not about me. It's not about the dogs. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Last year, about this time, uh, Vicka and I um, headed down to St. Louis for our orientation. For the first time, we were, we were going together to St. Louis to um, start this specific ministry pastor program. And so we, we went down together, and we went down on a Sunday. And that Sunday morning, I had preached, and I had just told you all, get out your, outside your comfort zones and talk to people, because it's important to meet them and get to know them. Uh, and then you can maybe help point them to Jesus. It's almost like that's an important part of this season is pointing people to Jesus. 
And so, but, so we drive down. It's a long drive down there. I'm tired. I didn't really get my nap because I talked for a while. Uh, and so we get, we get down to St. Louis. We get checked into the hotel, and we're like, let's go swim. And so we get into the pool, and I'm like, yes, it's vacation. I've got like 12 more hours of vacation before I need to sit in classes for the next five days. I'm going to zone out and just do nothing. So Greg and I got down there. No one else was in there. It was fantastic. Uh, we were just hanging out. This pool, like you could swim under the wall and it was snowing outside so you could be in the pool while it was snowing. It was just awesome. Uh, and, and, and we were swimming around for a little while and then in walks a family, a mom and a dad and their son. And the mom and the son get in the pool and they start swimming around and the dad, you could tell, was really preoccupied. Just kind of wandering around, looking around. And there was something in me that said, you should go talk to him. And I told that something in me, no, I'm on vacation. And Jesus said, I don't care. Go talk to him. And so I went and I met Kyle. Um, and Kyle was in St. Louis because he was going to the hospital that next day to get some tests done and scans done because he had 23 tumors in his body and one in his brain. And I go, oh, I can't do anything about this. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where like, well, I guess I can pray, but that's all I can do is pray. Right? And I talked to Kyle a little bit about his faith life, and um, there really wasn't a whole lot of faith life. There's some spirituality there, but there wasn't a whole lot of faith life there. And I'm like, hey, Kyle, can I just pray with you? And we prayed, and it was good. And then they went their way, and we went our way. But Greg and I, for the rest of the week, were like, there's got to be more to this. I know uh, that week I posted on the Trinity Facebook page, pray for Kyle. I know some of you prayed for Kyle. You didn't know what you were praying about, but this was the guy you were praying about. Well, then at the end of the week, as we were getting ready to head home, I'd been praying kind of the whole week, God, bring Kyle back in so we can talk and connect and, and, and see where this can lead. Well, so our last night there, Kyle shows back up in the pool. Um, and we got to talk and we got to pray a lot more together and talk more about faith. Um, and we connected on Facebook. So we were able to stay connected. And we've talked a, a, a few times for a while. Well, about four months ago, um, I got to see on his Facebook page, and we talked, and I, we found out that he went down for some more testing in St. Louis. And the brain, the tumor in his brain had shrunk considerably, and there were no other tumors in the rest of his body. And I was, whoa, that's, God is good. But I think he can do more. And so we kept praying, and we kept praying. And just a few weeks ago, um, he posted and we talked um, that he's completely cancer free. Um, praise God, right? And he's got another kid on the way, right? God is good. And I was like, it was like that's awesome. Well, this week Greg went back down to St. Louis to uh, go to another class, to go to a class and have an intensive week. They stayed at the same hotel went down to the same pool and, and walked another family. And this time it was Jacob, who was, 10-year-old Jacob, who was in St. Louis to get some testing because he has a bunch of tumors in his body and one on his brain. And it's just like, gosh, darn it again. But then I got to reach back out to Kyle and say, hey, Kyle, God is good, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, none of this would have happened without prayer and without God working in my life. Kyle, can you pray for Jacob? And now Kyle, every day, is going to be praying for Jay. His answer was immediately, absolutely. 
right? And so if, if we look back at this story of John pointing people to Jesus and people seeing Jesus and Jesus doing what Jesus does, and for each one of us, that's a different thing. But, but Jesus did enough in Andrew's life that he was able to go and bring his brother and say, hey, we have seen the Messiah. We've seen the Christ. We found him, the guy that we've been looking for. And then if, if, you know most of, if you know the rest of the story, there's a time in Jesus' ministry where both Andrew and Peter and ten others are following Jesus, and Jesus turns and says to them, who, who do people say that I am? And they gave off these names, Elijah, the prophet, John the Baptist. But then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And who is it but Peter, who Andrew came to him a lot earlier, right? A few early, years earlier, Andrew said, we found the Messiah, we found the Christ. Now it's Peter who boldly says, you are the Christ. And then Jesus says, on this confession, I will build my church. And so you are here today because of Peter's confession, who was brought to Jesus by Andrew, who was brought to Jesus by John. And I want you to think in your life, who is it that brought you to Jesus? Who is it that pointed you to Jesus? Is it a a parent, a grandparent, a, an aunt or uncle, another family member? Is it a friend, a neighbor, a, a church lady who just picked you up on the way to church and said, you're coming with me? Uh, is it a pastor? Who is it that pointed you to Jesus? And then because they pointed you to Jesus, who is it that you can point to Jesus? I've been praying this week that the Holy Spirit would, like right now, in your mind, place one person that you can point to Jesus this week. And I don't know how you do that. Maybe you bring him to Bibles and Brews on Tuesday. Maybe you bring him to Praying Parents Tuesday morning. Maybe you bring him to worship next week. Maybe you just bring your Bible over to their house and you sit and read the Bible. Or you, or you say, hey, how can I pray for you this week? I don't know what that is, but... But I pray that Jesus would not only put that person on your heart, but also give you the opportunity to point them to Jesus. Because when you point someone to Jesus, Jesus gets to say, come and see. Come and see who I am, right? It's not, it's not my job to bring anyone to faith. The Spirit does that. I get to plant the seed, you get to plant the seed, we get to water the seed, but it is the Spirit who does the work. And it's Jesus who says, come and see. And I will do exactly what I do, which is bring people to faith. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, come and see. And they saw. Today, Jesus still says, come and see. And you saw, and I saw, and we see what he does. But we're also looking forward to a day where Jesus will say, come and see what I've prepared for you. Come and see this new creation that I have been preparing for you from, from Genesis 3. We've been working on it, right? But come and see this new creation where you will spend eternity with me and all those who have gone before you in faith and all those who have faith here on this earth. Come and see my perfect kingdom. Someday Jesus is coming back. He's going to say, come and see but even still today, Jesus says, come and see. And so like, like Andrew and like John, until that last day, we are called to point people to Jesus so that they might come and see his goodness.
Amen.